0: Life takes me by surprise And my heart fails to recognize That you are Everything I need Open my eyes Clearly see, you're the whole one. Comes the storm in me, anchor my hope in your heart. these doubts the thundering in my chest hide me in which secret place of rest where faith can fly in the shadow of your
1: Thank you, Debbie. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we just heard your word sung. And now, Lord God, we ask that we would hear your word preached. And later on, Lord God, maybe we could even see your word. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, for the last uh, several weeks, we've been talking about Abraham, and you remember that God promises to bless Abraham with just this like crazy, outrageous, amazing blessing, which includes seed, land, and all the families of the earth. But as soon as God announces this blessing, he sends Abram on a journey, a journey on which all the circumstances, all the data seem to indicate and imply just the opposite of this promised blessing. Abraham's life is really weird. And the trauma has just begun. I mean, it's a miracle that Abram, or Abraham, didn't just go totally insane. And by the time he climbs Mount Moriah, I bet most people thought he was insane. Sometimes Abram must have walked out under the night sky. It lifted his eyes to the heaven and millions point of points of, of light and just cried out, What does it mean? What does it all mean? Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have set in their place, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou dost care for him? You ever been there? With Abram? Out under the night sky? Lost your job, your husband, your wife, maybe a child. Maybe you lost your bearings, your sanity. Life is is just a mystery and you stand out uh, under the stars crying, what does it all mean? What does it mean? Psychologists tell us that from... Uh, the youngest age, we try to make sense out of nonsense. We try to find patterns in things. We try to give things value or meaning. The Greek word for that is logos. Well, John Nash was especially good at that. In 1994, he won the Nobel Prize for his theories in mathematics. The Academy Award winner... For Best Picture in 2002 was a film based upon his life titled A Beautiful Mind. In this scene, uh, as a young genius, he assigns value and meaning to mystery. He assigns his meaning to the stars like God.
0: I don't believe in luck. but I do believe in assigning by here the things. Um. I once tried to count them all. I actually made it to 4,348. An animal, anything. Okay. An umbrella.
1: Abram stood under the very same stars and thought to himself, what does it mean? What does it mean? And he must have thought, am I insane? Genesis 15, verse 1, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Did you get that? The word this is the only place this phrase is used in Genesis. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. This is a word that Abram can see. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your exceedingly great reward. This word is his shield. And this visible word is his exceedingly great reward. Abram's problem is not that his hopes are too big. His problem is that his hopes are too small. You know what your problem is? It's not that your hopes are too big. They're far too small. Sometimes small as hell. But the word says, I am your reward. Next verse. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you've given me no seed, offspring, Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, look, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them, Abram. And then he said to him, So shall your descendants so shall your seed, singular, be. And Abram believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness, or as righteousness. Faith in this word of God, faith in this promised seed, is what God wants. It's counted as righteousness. In God's equation, it equals righteousness. A few years ago, I was at the Holocaust Museum in Israel. I remember I was sitting on uh, the sidewalk just outside the Children's Memorial listening to this Jewish youth leader talk to a group of Jewish kids. They had just uh, exited a dark, rather horrifying room in which one hears the names of those that have died and watches as simulated stars suddenly light up above your head. The youth leader said, it reminds you, doesn't it, of God's promise to Abraham, descendants as many as the stars of heaven. But then he said, how many Jews are there in the world? The kids gasped, and he said, well, there were 12 million, but now it's more like 8 million. Did you know that that's less than one-third of 1% of the population of the world? It's, It's actually a bit less than that. And then he said, that's not as many as all the stars of heaven. You see, 4,000 years later, it's it's still a, a mystery. Well, the problem is not that their hopes are too big. The problem is that their hopes are too small, for they have massively underestimated the promised blessing and settled for something less because they have not yet come to faith in the promised seed. Well, the youth leader, he said to these students there, he said, I asked rabbi about this mystery, and he said, but when God promised this to Abraham, it was day. Then the youth leader said, how many stars can you number in the day? And one of the kids said, none. None. And the youth leader said, no, one, the sun. And remember, I got all excited. Malachi 4.2, the sun, S-U-N of righteousness, will arise with healing in his wings. Numbers 24.7, as a star shall come forth out out of Jacob. Revelation 22, I, Jesus, I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Then the youth leader said, We may never be many, but we light up the world wherever we are. I thought, dang, so close, and yet so far. He gave his meaning to the stars and missed the word. The word is Jesus. The seed is Jesus. Uh, The promise and the blessing is Jesus. The star is Jesus. And through him and in him, Abram will have more descendants uh, than the sand of the sea and the stars of the heaven. They will all be all stars through him. But it all means Jesus. And Jesus is the meaning God gives to all things. He is the word through whom everything that is made is made. And he is God's word through everything to you. Through everything to you. So what does it all mean? It all means God loves you, Abram. And Abram had faith. And yet, he still doubted. Next verse. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees, Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, shall I know? How shall I know? How shall I know that I will inherit it? Sounds like a great question to me. You say it all means blessing, grace, and love, Lord, but all my data is barrenness, homelessness, and pain. So how will I know? Reminds me of this scene in A Beautiful Mind. At least it is our relationship
0: warrant long-term commitment. I need some kind of proof, some kind of verifiable empirical data. Just give me a moment to, um, redefine my girlish notions of romance. Um, a proof. Verifiable data. Um, okay. Well, how big is the universe? Infinite. How do you know? I know because all the data indicate the same. But it hasn't been proven yet. No. You haven't seen it? How do you know for sure? I don't. I just believe it. Mm. It's the same with love, I guess. Now, the part that you don't know is if I want to marry you.
1: So, John Nash thinks he knows everything about the universe, which is an illusion, and yet he, he doesn't know how to know love. He can't make sense of it. But maybe it will make sense of him, for what he cannot know is fixing to know him. Well, Abram wants to know, and we know what he wants to know. He wants explanations, verifiable data. He wants proof, proof that what this Yahweh says is true. That's what he wants, because after all, he doesn't really know who this Yahweh is. So how can he trust his heart, his word? How do we come to trust God's word? Is it school? Is it empirical evidence, rational arguments, apologetics, philosophy, psychologies, programs, manuals, explanations, perhaps miracles, verifiable data? How do I come to trust God's word? How do I know? Abram wants to know. Eve wanted to know. And so she took from the tree of knowledge. God wants us to know. And so he gave his word. Crucified on that tree. Abram wants to know. Verse 9. The word of God said to Abram, Abram, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. This is not what we were hoping for, is it? This is not what's going to convince your neighbors, at least we think. It's not what we were hoping for, but it's what we get. And it's what the Israelites got. This short list of animals covers all the species that would be sacrificed in the temple on Mount Moriah. Hebrews 10, verse 3. In these sacrifices, there is a remembrance of sin year after year. They would sacrifice and remember there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So things in this world are not right. They don't make sense without the blood. And the life is in the blood, and someone needs to give it. They remembered and were reminded. The ritual was how they made sense of their reality. They were reminded and were reminded remembered. The ritual brought all of the members together. Reminded, remembered, and they remembered with all their members. I mean with all their being. Remember Passover? They remembered the exodus from Egypt, but not like you. And the sacrifices of the spotless lamb that saved them from the power of death. You see, they didn't just remember with their minds, but They held the knife. They watched the blood flow. They felt the darkness and they smelled the bitter herbs. They ingested the lamb and they drank the wine. They remembered and then they knew. But not the way Eve knew in the garden. Not just the way a mathematician knows a sum. Or a seminarian knows his theology. Or a Pharisee knows the law. They knew the way a bride knows her groom. The way a son knows his father. They didn't understand an explanation. They knew a person. That means they experienced a mystery. They couldn't make sense of the mystery, but the mystery made sense of them. The thing they couldn't explain was the explanation of everything else. The bondage, the pain, the horror, the darkness, and the occasional light in the darkness, like the stars on a dark night. Next verse. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep, a trance, fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know for certain, know certainly, for a surety that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. (laughs) Do you get that? God will give the Amorites time to complete their sinning. Even that is part of his purpose and his plan. Then into that darkness and that horror, he will speak something new. But now, Abram feels horror and is paralyzed in darkness, You know, throughout Scripture, like at creation, like at Sinai, like at Golgotha, God reveals Himself through great darkness, and yet God Himself is light. And so if you wonder from time to time, which I do all the time, why the darkness? Scripture says, the light shines... In the darkness Now I could tell you A thousand stories Ranging from the freakiest Encounters with Satan To times confessing my sins Where I saw grace A thousand stories But suffice it to say I'm falling in love with the light (laughs) Because I've seen it shine In the darkness My heart wants to know My heart wants to know that God knows rejection and pain and loss and bondage and darkness and the void within me that is my own sin. My heart wants to know that he knows. And that he will speak his word into the darkness and make something new. Make me new. My heart needs to know the light in all my darkest places, for then I can truly know it all means love. And he is love. Next verse. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that behold, there appeared a smoking oven or a fire pot, some translations call it, a smoking fire pot, and and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. This is a pillar of smoke and a pillar of fire passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made, literally cut, a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. How weird. (laughs) But from Jeremiah 34, and other ancient manuscripts it appears that in god's day or in abram's day it's all god's day but in abram's day when two guys want to make a covenant this is what they do they take an animal and they cut it down the middle they'd lay the halves on the ground and then they'd walk between uh, the halves reciting the terms of the covenant and invoking a curse upon themselves if they broke the covenant saying something like this may it be done unto me as it was done unto this animal if i break the terms of our covenant in 500 years on Mount Sinai the children of Abraham the Israelites will enter another covenant the terms of that covenant are called the law it's what theologians call the covenant of law law is what Eve took from that tree The knowledge of good and evil, law. Law is like religious mathematics. It's all about what can be explained and what we can supposedly do. So it's very attractive to our flesh. And yet in the end, it drives you insane. Insane. For you think you understand everything, but you don't know love. And if you don't know love, you don't know anything. In fact, you're lost. In the little dark universe of yourself. Well, you see, through the covenant of law, God reveals our darkness. Because it's been there all along, since the garden. Through the covenant of law, God reveals our darkness so that he might shine his light and the light is eternal. So you see, 500, 500 years before the covenant of law, God revealed this covenant to old Abram. The covenant of law is superseded and contained within this covenant. And that, my friends, is good news it's the gospel. For it means that although we cannot keep covenant, cannot fulfill the law, God himself is covenant law. And although we are faithless, he remains faithful. You see, at Sinai, there were two sides to the covenant. God's side and Israel's side. Yeah, 500 years before, God made this covenant while Abram did nothing. Nothing. But now don't get me wrong. God had Abram cut the sacrifice. He had Abram smell the blood. He had Abram watch the darkness fall. He had Abram feel the horror and know the cost of this covenant because he had to hold the knife. And in a few years on Mount Moriah, he'd know it even better. God wants Abram to know it. And yet God himself will make it. He puts Abram to sleep as though dead. So Abram can do nothing but watch. Abe wanted to know, what does it it all mean? And the word of God says, the stars and all things mean, I love you, Abram. And Abe said, how will I know? And God says, watch, Abram, I am cutting a covenant and I am keeping all sides. I will, I will, I will, I will bless you. And there is nothing, 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 nothing even you can do about it, Abram. We wanted to know, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He taught us it all means love, such that all that is mine is declared unto you. And we said, how will we know? And on the darkest night in the history of the world, the word of God, the seed of Abraham, the Passover lamb, the promised blessing, the son of righteousness, the bright morning star, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. And in the same manner, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant. The covenant. It's newer than new. It's older than old. You see, it's eternal. In the morning on Mount Moriah, we broke His body with our sin. And as the sky grew black and the horror fell, He made the eternal covenant with His own flesh. And He fulfilled the old covenant on our behalf. He made a covenant and is keeping all sides. You see, it's the covenant of grace. And it's eternal. His body would be broken. His blood would flow from the ancient tree. It is the knowledge of God who is love. And His love is life. We took it and yet He forgave it to us. That we might know what He means. And we might trust his heart, who he is. He said, take, eat, take, drink. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Listen closely. We don't come here on the seventh day for information and explanations for an informational, motivational lecture on how to raise your kids or how to make your business work or how to fulfill some law so you can make your world work. We come here confessing we can't make our world work. We cannot manufacture the blessing. And so we have questions. We come asking, what does it mean? The barrenness, the darkness, the pain. And the word answers. It all means, I love you. And I will bless you. And then when we wonder, how will I know? Well, don't move a muscle. Don't intend a thing. Don't you dare make one promise. But watch God and His Word make the promise, the covenant. You come here not to hear what you must do, but what God has already done. You come here every Sabbath to be reminded by the mystery of God. To be reminded by mystery is called faith. And it's faith that turns all this insanity into God's sanity. G.K. Chesterton wrote this, Mystical imagination does not breed insanity. Exactly what does breed insanity is reason. And by that means, he means your own reason. Poets do not go mad, chess players do. Mathematicians go mad. And you remember in the movie A Beautiful Mind, the great mathematician John Nash goes mad. He ascribes his value, his meaning, his reason to the stars and all things. At Princeton, he's alone, and he will allow no one else to teach him. It's not that he's unreasonable. It's just that there's no room for another in his world of his reason, a world of pride, then loneliness, and then horror. G.K. Chesterton writes, The madman is not the one who has lost his reason. The madman is the man who has lost everything except his reason. Perhaps the nearest we can get to expressing it is to say that his mind moves in a perfect but narrow circle. A small circle is quite as infinite as a large circle, but though it is quite as infinite, it is not so large. Actually, a circle can be like small as hell. You know, the whole world has gone mad. You know, it's trapped in the lie that makes hell the prison of one idea. And that idea is this. I must trust myself. For God is not trustworthy. We stole knowledge from the tree, trying to be God, and so crucified God, who is the meaning of all things. We crucified love, and love is the meaning of all knowledge. You see, we crucified the reason and went insane, like John Nash. But amazing grace, John Nash had someone that loved him who entered his insane self-centered little world and although it hurt her, although it broke her, she loved him with covenant love. His bride. This is a scene in the movie where Nash has realized that he's trapped in the prison of his own mind. He doesn't know what anything means and he doesn't know how he's going to tell what's real.
0: You wanna know what's real? This. real maybe the part that knows the waking from the dream maybe it isn't here maybe it's here i need to believe that something extraordinary is possible
1: To know what's real, and he touches body and blood. You want to know what's real, and the word says, This is my body, this is my blood. Take, eat, take, drink. You know, we crucified love on the tree of knowledge and went insane. For love is the meaning of all knowledge. But um, amazing grace, someone loved us. The someone that we crucified and something extraordinary did happen. We took, but God gave He turned our sin into his covenant of grace and the tree of knowledge becomes the tree of life. For there he gives us his body broken and blood shed so that we would trust his heart. For until we trust his heart, we cannot know him or truly know anything for he is the meaning of everything, the mystery that gives meaning to everything. Mystery. Unless you're God, at least one thing in your life must remain a mystery. A mystery that you cannot explain, but through which everything else is explained. That mystery is God. And His Word has made Him known. Chesterton writes, Mystery keeps men sane. The whole secret of mysticism is this, that man can understand what that, that man can understand everything by the help of what he does not understand. And you see, we have not understood the love that is God. He would not fit into the small patterns of our insanity, yet he has made himself small and entered our insane little world to make himself known. He is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jesus Christ and him crucified is the mysterious equation of love, the very logic of all reality, the meaning of of all things, and how you know. Well, John Nash gave meaning to his own reality and went insane. Yet one reality snuck in which he could not comprehend nor explain, a mystery that would not be integrated into his insanity, his bride. He was liberated by the one thing he could not comprehend. He he surrendered all of his meanings to her. He put his faith in her, and she told him what was real and what was shadows and what was live. She gave meaning to all his reality. She was his new mind, his beautiful mind. In the end, he received everything back and more. But he received it by grace, through faith. This is uh, his acceptance speech for the Nobel Prize in 1994.
0: Thank you. I've always believed in numbers and the equations and logics that lead to reason after a lifetime of such pursuits, I ask, what truly is logic? Who decides reason? My quest has taken me through the physical, the metaphysical, the delusional, and back. And I have made the most important discovery of my career. Discovery of my life. It is only in the mysterious equations of love that any logical reasons can be found. I'm only here tonight because of you. You are the reason I am, you are all my reasons.
1: one day, you will all give a speech like that, but you won't be looking at your bride, you'll be looking at your groom, and he will be all your reasons, because he is the reason, the logos, the logic, and he is love. And so what does it all mean? It all means he loves you. Like this. And how are you to know? By faith. His body and his blood in you. The one thing you can't explain. But through which everything else is explained. The one thing you cannot comprehend. But has comprehended you. You know, honestly. Life is so strange. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm just losing it. I'm losing it. until I come to this table and chew on this. Then this mystery becomes my story. Why the pain? Why the confusion? Why the darkness? And why the light? Why the joy? Why the happiness? Why? It all means love. So surrender your insanity and receive God's sanity. Surrender yourself and receive the mind of Christ. The beautiful mind. Come to the table and be reminded. Dark cups are wine, light cups are juice. And as you come, worship. a mystery that gives meaning to all your reality. Amen. And so, Lord God, we praise you and we thank you for entering our world and giving us yourself. And Lord God, I pray that we would be so reminded, so reminded that one day we could say this and actually mean it like St. Paul said, it's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And Jesus the Christ, everything you do is good. In your name we pray. Amen. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, try really, really hard to understand this. No, that's not what he said, did he? And yet you know for two thousand years people that call themselves believers have been killing each other over understanding this the mystery Catholics have this thing called transubstantiation and essence and all, all, a real and I come from a Calvinist tradition that says well Jesus is spiritually uh, present but not physically present in the in the body or the bread or whatever Lutherans say consubstantiation which is In between, a lot of Baptists say, well, it's pretty much just a remembrance. But Jesus didn't say, understand this. He said, eat it. (laughs) And it will change you from the inside out. That's what food does. And you are his body. So believe the gospel. And you'll live the gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen.